Hello, this is Peggy Joyce Ruth. Welcome to our podcast and hope you enjoy this teaching. Last week we started a two-part series on overcoming fear. For just a quick review now, we said that fear is the character of the enemy and that every problem that we're ever going to encounter can be traced back to fear. Every action that comes forth from you can be traced back to fear. Every attitude, every motive, everything that doesn't line up with the Word of God or doesn't line up with the character of God or with the fruit of the Holy Spirit can be traced back to fear. And that fear came in through the door of lack of trust in God. You can look clear back in the garden that Satan planted a little seed of doubt in Eve's mind and she began to doubt and she began to question God. And when she did, the very first thing that showed up was fear. Before there was any pain, we find that fear was there. Before there was any death, before anyone had ever died, before the curse came in, there was fear. It's the first fallen emotion. And from there, we find then that fear will manifest itself in every area that doesn't line up with the Word of God. Okay, now last week we said that over and over throughout the Old and the New Testament that God commands over and over, do not be afraid. In fact, someone said that 366 times it says, do not be afraid. And then with that command, God tells us the formula for how to do that. Do you remember? Every single time that God said, fear not, immediately he said, because I am with you. So the way that we fear not is in realizing that God is with us all the time. That's why we don't have to be afraid. Isaiah 41 says, you'll not look anxiously about. And then it goes right on to say, because I'm holding you in my righteous right hand. We sang the song, you'll walk through the fire and you'll not be burned. You'll go through the water and you'll not drown. Why? He says, because I am with you. Psalm 91, you'll not be afraid of the terror by night. You'll not be afraid of the arrows that fly by day. You'll not be afraid of the pestilence, the sickness and disease, the stalks and darkness. You'll not be afraid of destruction because he said, you can come under my wings and seek refuge. In other words, because we're near to him. David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? He said, because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, they protect me. The writer of Hebrews said, I can confidently say of the Lord that he is my help. Therefore, I will not fear. And the reason he can say that is because God had just said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Anytime that someone is separated from God, even if it's just a temporary separation, fear is always going to be present. Outside the presence of God is always to be inside the presence of fear. But we've been redeemed from fear. We've been redeemed from the bondage of fear if we choose to stay in his presence. See, fear was the very first thing that came in with sin. Therefore, fear is the very first thing that we can be redeemed from with the removal of sin. If we'll just allow ourselves to take that part of our redemption, that part of our inheritance. Now, we said last week that fear is sin. It's a sin to fear. Now, I'm going to get out of fear a lot more quickly when I realize that I'm sinning against God. See, if I realize that when I'm in fear, I'm in sin, then that's going to make me want to get out of that fear. Now this week we're going to look at two more facts that will help us in overcoming fear. 
Now we see through the word of God where God has given people down through the ages faith images. He's given those to his people to encourage their faith. He wants us to begin to visualize the answers coming from him and he wants us to be able to see things happening through the eyes of faith. Even Jesus said, I only do that which I see my father doing. So he too was operating in faith images. When the woman with the issue of blood in the New Testament saw herself touching the hem of Christ's garment, she knew then that she was going to be healed, and she was. But Satan always tries to pervert the good things that God gives to us. Now, he tries to pervert the faith pictures that would build us up in our faith. He tries to pervert that by giving us fear pictures. That's Satan's tactic. Now, fear will many times enter not by just what we're thinking on, but it'll try to enter by what we're seeing. And sometimes that's not something that we're seeing in the physical realm. Sometimes those fear pictures are in our mind. Now, one lady told me that every single time that she heard a siren, she immediately would see a car accident. She said every single time. And she said one member of her family, at least one member of her family, would always be in that car accident. And she said it was very vivid. She said then she would have a picture of an ambulance taking them to the hospital. She said she could literally hear the phone ringing and she would see herself answering the phone. And when she answered the phone, they would be telling her about the accident. Now that's a fantasy demon and it's real. Sometimes those fantasy fear images can be more real than what we're actually seeing in the physical realm. And she said it didn't matter even if she didn't consciously realize the siren had gone off. She said it might be way in the distance, but she said she would realize that a siren had gone off because she could see that picture. That picture would come before her eyes. Did you know that most people have fear pictures all the time? No wonder so many people stay in defeat. And you probably do too, even if you don't realize it, because so many times those fear images pass before our eyes and they're so subtle and they come so often that many times we don't even realize that they're there. We don't pay any attention to them. We're not consciously aware, but if you'll begin to notice those fear pictures, you might be shocked to find out how often they come. So don't ignore them now. Begin to deal with those fear pictures because every single time they're coming for a deadly purpose. Every time. Satan sends them and they're not coincidental. He does it on purpose. He sends them as an introduction to usher in some kind of destruction. And he's patient. He might spend months, sometimes even years, getting that kind of thing entrenched into our subconscious thinking. Now, this really came home to me one day, just how much these fantasy fear images are a tool of the enemy. Because Jack was up on the roof and I suddenly heard this real loud thud. Now, I knew that he didn't fall off the roof. I knew that. But I was shocked to find that a fear picture went through my mind and it was so vivid. I saw him fall down, I saw him roll down and fall off the roof and hit the ground. And I saw every bit of that right before my eyes. Now I didn't even go outside because I knew he didn't fall off the roof. And yet that picture was there all the same in my mind. And what it was trying to do was plant a little seed in my subconscious mind for the future. And see, that's what the enemy does. The first few times that we see those pictures in our mind, you know, it's planting a little seed and finally we don't pay any attention, but it's entrenching in our subconscious mind a fear thought from the enemy. 
And if we leave those pictures in our mind, then the time's going to come that we'll take them in and we'll begin to mow over them. And what they're doing, they're coming to condition us for destruction. Now, God has given us authority over our soulish realm. He's given us authority over our mind, over our will, and over our emotions. But if we don't take authority, nobody else is going to do it for us. God has given us the authority, and we have to be the one to take it. Now, we're beginning to learn to take authority over the things that we say. And we're beginning to take authority over our actions, the things that we do. We're even learning how to take negative thoughts captive. But we're going to have to come to a place of taking these fear pictures captive too. Now, I want you to look in Numbers 13, verse 33. We used a lot of scripture last week, and we're going to use quite a few scriptures this week. Because it's so important for us to see this truth throughout the Word of God. Now, the Israelites had just come through the Sinai Desert. They're on the border of the Promised Land. They're getting ready to move in and take over the land. And Moses has sent spies to spy out the land. They're getting all prepared to move in. Now, nothing in the natural has changed. You know, God was still with them. He was still providing for them supernaturally. He was giving them water. He was giving them manna. So nothing has changed except Satan begins to use a new tactic. He has a brand new tactic. He begins to put a fear picture in their mind. In verse 33, there also, they said, we saw the Nephilim. The sons of Anak are a part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Okay, now the Nephilim, this was a group of people who grew very large. And when these Israelites saw their own size in comparison to these men who grew so large, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. They got a negative picture in their mind. They got a fear image that came into their mind. Now, the problem was that they didn't do anything about that picture. They confessed it, and they kept thinking on it. Now, that picture could not have hurt them if they had taken care of it, but they didn't do anything. They didn't change pictures in their mind, and they continued to see themselves as grasshoppers in comparison. Now, I want you to notice that there were two pictures. It says, we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Okay, now notice, two different people were seeing the grasshopper picture. Now, we don't know how they might have known what the Nephilims were thinking. You know, maybe they heard it rumored that uh, these people were saying, boy, these Israelites are so tiny, they just look like grasshoppers compared to us. We don't know how they knew what the other group was thinking. But the point is that there were two people seeing the grasshopper picture. Now, the difference was that the Israelites saw themselves as grasshoppers. So it was a fear picture to them. But see, for the enemy, it was a faith picture. They saw themselves as the giants. And here the Israelites were just little grasshoppers in comparison. Now, the Israelites knew how big their God was. So if they had just seen that enemy as a grasshopper compared to their God, they would have won the battle. See, they knew that their God had been providing for them all the way along. They knew that. And they could have compared the enemy to God. See, it all depends on what you're seeing. It boils down to the comparison. Now, are we comparing the problem to ourselves? Or are we comparing that problem to God? Something's always going to look like a grasshopper. It's either going to be us or it's going to be the problem. 
And it depends on the comparison. Whatever it is that we're comparing to in the mind, that's going to determine what's looking like a grasshopper. Now the Notre Dame team was playing Southern California quite a few years ago. In fact, it was long enough ago that it was before they had a rule on how many players could suit out. Now the Southern California team had a much better ball club and they knew it and Notre Dame knew it too. So the coach of Notre Dame decided that he would do something. He decided to do something pretty drastic. He got every big guy that he could find on the Notre Dame campus and he put them in uniform. Now he had a hundred great big guys suited out, some of whom had never even had a uniform on before. And the Notre Dame coach then held them in the dressing room until Southern California was out on the bench. And then he ran every one of those great big guys past them on their bench. Now these hundred big guys just kept coming and coming and coming. And finally, the Southern California coach realized that his boys were just panicked. He looked over and he realized that their eyes were big and, and here they were seeing these big guys rush past. And he said, hey, don't lose your cool. Remember that only 11 of those guys can come on the field at one time. But see, the damage was already done. They had already taken in that fear picture and they didn't exchange it. They didn't get rid of that fear picture. And so they didn't lose to the Notre Dame team. They lost to fear. See, they lost to that fear picture that they saw coming out of the dressing room. Now that's a prime example of how Satan works. He parades a hundred big guys in uniform in front of us all the time, most of whom wouldn't even be able to stand against us if we just knew what our authority was. But many times we don't take the authority, so we lose to that fear picture that's coming before our mind. It's the fear that defeats us. I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. Now this started out to be such a wonderful story and then it turned out to have such a sad ending. This is the day after Elijah had just won this wonderful victory on Mount Carmel. He's up on Mount Carmel the day before and he meets the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the Asherah. And he determines that day that they're going to decide which God is the God of the universe, which is the God of gods. And so he says, you go ahead and make your sacrifice and then I'll make mine and we'll see which God manifests himself. So the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the Asherah, they cut themselves and they cry out all day long to their God and nothing happens. And then Elijah pours water on the sacrifice. And then he simply calls to God and God rains down fire and consumes the sacrifice. Then God tells him to kill the prophets and he kills the 850 prophets that day. Now he is so happy. This is the victory of all victories. This is the top of his career. But in 1 Kings chapter 19, in verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at this time. In other words, Jezebel says, that makes me so angry that you've killed all my prophets that I'm going to do the same thing to you that you did to my prophets. Now, he remembered exactly how he had slaughtered them with a sword. 
He remembered that. And now the witch Jezebel has just planted that picture in his mind. And he sees the very same thing happening to him because she plants that idea in his mind. Now he could have had a different picture because the day before, He's just seen the God of the universe rain down fire on the sacrifice. So he could have exchanged that fear picture that Jezebel placed in his mind, and he could have exchanged it for a God coming to his rescue. That's the picture he could have seen. But he didn't take that thought captive. He didn't exchange that fear image that was in his mind. And look at verse 3. And he was afraid, and he arose, and he ran for his life. See, any time we don't take those thoughts and those pictures captive, we're going to find that the only thing we can do is run in fear. Now, we may not physically get up and run like Elijah did. He got up and he physically ran away and hid. But many of us know what it's like to be running in terror on the inside. You ever been so fearful that your insides were just running? Okay, that's because we didn't take captive those fear thoughts and those fear pictures. I want you to turn to Genesis 15, verse 2. I was amazed at how all through the Word of God, we find that God is giving faith pictures and Satan is giving fear pictures all through the Word of God. And it's our choice which one we're going to take in. But in Genesis 15, verse 2, Abraham said, O Lord God, and the King James says, seeing that I am childless, what are you going to do? He's saying, God, what are you going to do? Seeing that I am childless. Okay, we find here that he has a fear picture and he's seen himself an old man without any children. Now, God had just given him a faith picture in verse 1. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So God has just given him a vision telling him not to fear, telling him that he's going to be a shield to him. And he said, your reward is going to be great. I don't know exactly how God showed it to him in a vision, but he saw that in a vision. He knew not to be afraid. He knew that God was going to be a shield to him. He knew that his reward was going to be great. But now he's seen himself childless. He has that fear picture. He never got over that fear picture. And he begins to see himself going childless. And because he didn't get rid of the fear picture, it finally motivated him to do something out of his reasoning. And that's why he finally has Ishmael by his handmaiden, Hagar. Now, any time that we have a fear picture in our mind and we don't take it captive, we're going to find that eventually we're going to run to our plan B. We're going to start trying to take care of it in our own strength. Because, see, fear pictures are sent to drive us to our reasoning and to drive us into Satan's trap. And so down in verse 5, God took him outside and he said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Okay, now when you think about it, God was giving him a faith picture right here. Every single night for 26 years, as he was waiting for Sarah to get pregnant and have a baby, he could go out and he could look up into the heavens, and he had an immediate faith picture. It was a picture of faith because God had promised him that as many as the stars of the heaven would be his descendants. You know, when I so desperately needed something to hang on to after my deliverance, when I was struggling to get my mind renewed to the Word of God, it looked pretty hopeless. And God would call me back to the vision that he had given to me. 
He had shown me a vision of myself. I had been able to see myself and I had my mouth open and I saw a black tooth and then all of a sudden I was transparent and I saw the black roots going down through my body. And then I saw him pull the tooth out and it left holes all down through my body and then God began to pack those holes, packed them up. And finally, when I looked in my mouth, it was a healed area. Well, I can't tell you how many times when I was struggling desperately to have my mind renewed that I would call back that vision and it would give me the hope that I needed and I would hang on to that hope and it would get me through another day. Now, as long as we look at the faith pictures that God gives to us, you know, and it might even be a dream, those are night visions, but if we'll continue to hang on to those things that God gives to us, what'll happen when we're going through a trial of our faith then we'll look at that faith picture and it'll keep us from looking at the fear pictures that the enemy's trying to give to us. That's why Hebrews 10.23, that's why he tells us to hold fast to our confession of faith. Well, hold fast to whatever it is that God's given to you. Hold fast to your vision. Hold fast to the word of God. Hold fast to that dream that he's given to you. Hold fast to whatever it is that God's given to you because it says that he that promised is faithful. And he will be, he'll be faithful. And that's why we have to hold fast to those faith visions that God gives to us. Look at Job 3, verse 23. Job 3, 25. Now there's a spiritual principle in this verse. Job chapter 3, verse 25. Job said, for what I fear comes upon me, what I dread befalls me. You need to mark that in your Bible. What I fear comes upon me, what I dread befalls me. Now some of your translations will say, I fear to fear and it happened. See, what we fear actually acts as a magnet and it pulls it to us. It draws it to us. Now Job was fearing that his children were in sin. Now there was nothing wrong with the fact that Job was out making sacrifices to God, but he was offering up sacrifices continually because he was in so much fear that his children were going to sin and that they were going to be destroyed. He was performing an okay action, but it was motivated by a wrong motive. It was motivated out of fear. Now, Romans tells us that whatever is not of faith is sin. And when we do something motivated by fear, and we're going to find that we're not doing it out of faith, so it's not going to bring the highest results. Now, you can check yourself, and you can find out if you're in fear or not. There's ways to check yourself. Anytime that someone begins to challenge you about what you're doing or about what you're believing in the Word of God, if suddenly you feel like you're just going to explode on the inside and you feel threatened and, and you feel pressured and irritated and just feel like you've got to immediately start defending yourself, you can know that you're probably operating in some fear, not faith. You're not as grounded as you need to be in the Word of God. So there comes a time that we need to check ourselves and we need to see if we're operating in faith. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're wrong in what we're believing. It just simply means that we're still operating in some fear. We're not yet grounded. Now, when you're sure about what you believe, when you've studied this word and you've gotten it down on the inside of you and you know that you know that you know that you know that it's true, then there's not going to be that tilt inside of you. And you're not going to get rattled. And when somebody challenges you, even if they don't believe what you're telling them, you're going to have that calm assurance. You're going to know. 
Deep down on the inside, you've got this knowing, and all you're feeling then is just the desire for them to be able to have the same peace. But when you're challenged and you're not sure whether you're right or not, you know, you're gonna feel like you've gotta justify yourself. You're gonna feel like you have to defend your position. Now, it's easy to be very defensive when we're not sure. And God wants us to become so assured of the Word of God, so assured that this Word is true and that it will work every single time, that we'll just be faithfully obedient, but there'll be no fear involved with our obedience. See, your obedience will not be coming out of a fear, doing it because you just think you have to for fear of what's going to happen if you don't. But it'll come out of a simple faith that that's what God's telling us to do. Therefore, we want to be obedient simply because we love Him. Now, the fear pictures that come from the enemy, they're deadly. And every time they come, it's for the expressed purpose of destroying some area of our inheritance, trying to steal our inheritance. So it's worth anything that it takes for us to be able to get out of that fear. It's worth anything to, to get that fear out of our life. Now, the enemy can't give us anything and he can't take anything away from us. But what he does, he tempts us to receive what it is that he's peddling. And he just keeps putting that temptation there. He wants to do it so that he can steal the inheritance. And he does it many times through fear. Now it's a spiritual battle and because he's using spiritual tactics, if we wanna win, we're going to have to win using our spiritual weapons. And the only way it can be done is through the exchange system. We have to exchange all those fear pictures for faith pictures. Now, I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about answering every fear picture with a thought from God's Word. It's an exchange system every time where you put the fear out and then you replace it with whatever it is that God has given to us, His promises, the visions that He's given to us. You know, I worked with the lady for a good while who was so fearful every time that she would hear a siren. And she learned to take Psalm 112, verse 7, and every time that fear picture would come, she learned to say, Lord, I'm not afraid of evil tidings because my heart is steadfast trusting in you. And she said that she said that over and over, and she said it was really hard at first, but she would hear that, and then immediately she would say, Lord, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of that fear. I'm not going to have those fear pictures anymore. My heart is steadfast trusting in you. And she said, finally then, one day the Lord gave her a faith picture and she saw her children healthy and well and happy. Now some of you might be fighting some physical symptoms on your body and if you're not aware, it'll be just exactly like it talks about in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 where it says vain imaginations began to grow. If we don't take care of those fear thoughts, we'll begin seeing ourselves going to a doctor and getting a bad report and then we'll see ourselves with cancer or any other dread disease, the whole bit, if we're not aware. God is wanting us to take his word. He's wanting us to take Psalm 91 and say, Lord, I thank you that your word says that I don't have to be afraid of the pestilence. I don't have to be afraid of the sicknesses and diseases. You promised me, Lord, that you would satisfy me with a long life. And then begin to see yourself ministering at an old age. You know, there's nothing more exciting than to see yourself in your older years still laying hands on the sick, still ministering to people. See, Deuteronomy 28, verse 60. That's part of the curse. Deuteronomy 28, verse 60. The diseases of which you feared will cling to you. And the way you get rid of that is to do an exchange. See the Jehovah Rapha touching you and making you whole. 
The Bible says that fear is a snare, and snare simply means a trap. See, fear is a trap that's been laid by the enemy to deceive you into receiving whatever it is that he's sending your way to steal your inheritance. Now, if you'll think about it, every fear that you have was sent to trick you into doing the very thing that would draw that disaster to you. You have a fear of rejection. That fear will eventually cause you to do the very thing that will cause people to reject you. If you fear being hurt, you'll find that eventually you're going to do the very thing that causes people to hurt you. If you have a fear of loss, jealousy will eventually come in and it'll cause you to do the very thing that will cause your child or that other person to start pulling away from you. See, Satan sends these fears as traps designed to ensnare us. You know, the parable in the Bible that talks about the man with the five talents and the one with two talents and the one with one talent. Satan was not able to steal that talent away from that man. But if you'll remember, it said the man with the one talent was afraid, so he went out and he hid the talent. See, it was out of fear that he actually went out and, and hid his own talent. He gave it up himself. Now, there are so many people through whom God would love to manifest his gifts, but out of fear many times they're holding back. And so Satan has stolen he couldn't keep them from operating in the spirit, but out of fear, he can cause them to hold back. So they give it up. Out of fear, Abraham almost lost his wife because he tried to pass her off as his sister simply because he was afraid for his life. Now, Gideon's army, if you'll remember, one of the big things that reduced that army was fear. Out of 32,000 men, how many went home out of fear? 22,000 went home out of fear. See, fear is the biggest reducer of the end-time army. I'm going to find that that's going to reduce the end-time army down more than any other one thing. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And many times it's a lack of knowledge that keeps people from knowing that a lack of fear, the absence of fear, is a part of our inheritance. And so often we don't even realize that a part of our inheritance is that we don't have to fear. Now, if we could have our eyes open, if we could have our eyes flooded with light to see the scheme of the enemy and to see the devastating results that fear can bring, we would fight it with everything we had. We'd fight it like a tiger because we would realize how damaging it can be. You know, quite a few years ago, I had gone to the doctor and I had gotten a report that I didn't want to hear and it really frightened me and the doctor said, come back in the morning because we want to run some more tests. And I knew that if I went back the next morning, I knew that I would receive anything that he told me because I was just engulfed in fear. And I knew that I would accept anything that the enemy was trying to put on me. So I decided that I didn't care how long it took, that I was going to take the word and I was going to get that fear out of my life. Now during that period of time, I began to compile all the healing scriptures. And that's when I put all the healing scriptures together and put them on a list so we could go over them. Now the enemy would try to hit me with the fact that I was wasting a lot of precious time when the doctor could be treating me. But I knew that the only time that I was really wasting was the time that I was spending in fear. So when I finally got that fear under control by just constantly exchanging all those fear thoughts with an answer from God's Word, every time that fear would come, I would say what the Word said. And then the fear would come and I'd say again what the Word had to say. 
So finally, when I got that fear under control and went to the doctor, I got a good report. And it's been a good report ever since. But it was a battle before I finally believed what God had to say more than what that first report was saying. Now, some people say, well, are you saying then that you're in fear if you go to the doctor? No, that doesn't have anything to do with it. You know, you can go to the doctor and you can be in fear or you can stay home and be in fear. So God's just saying, get rid of the fear. He's wanting us to clear our life of the fear that's coming from the enemy. And I'm not even talking about the emotion of fear. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the choice of fear. You know, there's times when you're going to quote the word and you're going to stand on the word and believe the word. And you may be a little shaky in your emotions. But I'm not talking about emotions now. I'm talking about a choice to believe God's word more than we believe whatever it is that's coming from the enemy. Whatever it is that you're fearing, do whatever it takes to get the fear off. Now, if lack of trust opened the door to that fear to begin with, then trust is what's going to shut the door. That's why getting to know God, getting to know Him better is what's going to close that door. Now, it's been said that the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself, and there's a lot of truth to that because fear brings on that which one fears. And there's a tremendous difference now between godly fear and satanic fear. Don't mix the two up. I'm going to give you two scriptures to show the difference. Look at Acts 9, verse 31. God is telling us here that we're to fear Him, but He's talking about a godly fear. And you judge the difference between godly fear and satanic fear by the fruit of it. A better rendering of the word fear here would be reverence or awe, anytime we're talking about godly fear. But in Acts 9, verse 31... It says the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace and they were built up and they went on in the fear of God and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Okay, notice the fruit that came out of the fear of God. It was peace and comfort. Now every time it's a satanic fear, it's always going to bring torment. Now later you can look up Hebrews 11 verse 7, but it tells us that Noah was motivated by godly fear, godly reverence, and it caused him to build an ark. Okay, godly fear, reverential fear is going to motivate us to be obedient. Now fear that is not godly will never have any kind of a lasting obedience. Now it may cause obedience for a little while, but what it'll eventually cause us to do is to try to take care of it by the arm of flesh, to do it our way. Now godly fear, the Bible tells us, is always the beginning of wisdom. Okay, last, but extremely important, is the scripture in 1 John 4, verse 18. It's a very important scripture having to do with fear. Now, this is so simple, but it works. Now, this is the fourth precaution against fear. 1 John 4, starting with verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love. You need to circle that. Mark this scripture in your Bible. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Now, we've never learned to love the way God loves. He loves unconditionally. And because we usually don't know how to love unconditionally, what we do, we judge God's love by the way that we love. Therefore, we're constantly having to contend with fear. Now, if we could ever just get a little glimpse of how much God loves us, 
we'd never fear again. That perfect love would cast out all fear. And that's why he tells us that. And we're never going to get rid of a satanic fear until we start accepting and realizing how much God loves us and how he loves us unconditionally. Now, as long as we don't understand his love, we're going to dwell in unworthiness. And rather than realizing that the blood of Jesus and Christ-worthiness has made us worthy, then we'll stay in fear because we think we deserve the punishment. Now, God does require obedience, but it's for our benefit. And when we rebel, it's only because we don't understand Deuteronomy 6.24 when he says that obedience to the word is for our good and for our survival. See, the fear of punishment could be erased forever if we understood that he loves us and that the only reason he requires the obedience is so that we can survive, so that we can have the best that he has to offer. Now, so often we look at the fear and we begin to analyze it backward and forward and we try to get rid of it on our own. And that's never going to work. You know, we have to concentrate on the fact that he loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us. And if our eyes are on the fear, then we're concentrating on the law of sin and death. But when our eyes are on how much he loves us, then the law of Christ, the law of Jesus, is going to drive out that fear. We need to take Psalm 27, verse 1, and begin to concentrate and begin to say, Lord, you are my life, and you're my salvation. So what is there to fear? You're my defense. Lord, you defend me, you vindicate me, you take care of me. So whom should I dread? You know, several years ago, Bill and Jack built a barn for the goats and the cows, and we finished that barn, that shed, just about the time that the snows came in January. And we had one of the biggest snowstorms that we'd had in a long time. And the goats began to have their babies out there in the snow. So we all got our big heavy coats and our boots on. And we went out to drive them into the barn so that they'd be protected and save the baby goats. And we'd get them almost to the barn. And then they would see the barn and they would break and run. And I was so frustrated and I thought, Lord, they're afraid of the very thing that we built to protect them. And we're trying to drive them into the barn to save their life and they're running from the very thing that could save their life. And as I stood there in the snow and I was so frustrated, the Lord began to speak to me and he said, that's exactly like it is so many times with my children. He said, I've done things for my children because I love them, because I'm trying to protect them. And yet so often, they're just exactly like those goats. They run from the very thing that I have offered for their protection. And it's because they don't understand my perfect love. So I want us to make the decision. I want us to determine in our heart that we're going to take these four simple things from last week and this week, and we're going to put them in operation so that they'll begin to eliminate the fear out of our life. Number one, just concentrate on the fact that God is always with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. That's a part of your inheritance. He gives himself as your Jehovah Shamish, the God ever present. Then number two began to exchange every fear thought and every fear picture, every fear image for a promise from God's word or for a vision that God gives to you. And then number three, concentrate on his perfect love, how much he loves you. You have to quote that scripture in 1 John 4, 18. If you have to quote it a hundred times a day, it's worth it. Do that until all of a sudden one day you realize God loves me perfectly. And that perfect love will cast out fear.
Begin your day every day by thanking him that he loves you. It's one of the most wonderful ways to start your day. Say, Lord, I just thank you that you love me perfectly. And then number four, realize that fear is sin. And if we don't make any effort to get rid of it, then what we're doing, we're staying in, in willful sin. It's a choice to stay in fear. Okay, now those four simple facts will overcome the fear of the enemy. But remember now, you don't overcome all the fears all at once forever. It's a daily process. And every day there's going to be a new opportunity to fear. And so we have to realize that as the new opportunities come, we have to apply those four steps. And as we do, it will drive the fear out of our life. Father, I thank you that you want us to come to a place where we don't have that characteristic of the enemy operating through us. Father, I thank you that you have delivered us from fear. You've given us the opportunity because of the adoption as sons. You've given us the opportunity to walk free from fear that we don't have to fear. Lord, just exactly like we don't have to sin, we don't have to fear. Father, we thank you for that. I thank you that that's a part of our inheritance. And Lord, I'm just asking now that you'll make these truths from your word come alive on the inside of us. Today, Lord, I'm asking that it's going to begin to come alive on the inside of us how much you love us. It's going to begin to come alive on the inside of us that you're as near as the breath we breathe, that you never leave us and you never forsake us. And it's going to become alive on the inside. We do have authority and we can exchange everything that the enemy sends our way. We can change it for something that you've given to us. Lord, we thank you and praise you for what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please share this teaching with anyone you think it would minister to. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org.